Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are continuing our coverage of Rebels Season 3, Episodes 19 and 20, and we're going to be talking about one of the most beloved, impactful, often on everyone's, you know, top five favorite episodes list, Twin Sons, and we'll be talking about some droids. All that and more with Paul Hoppy, Sarah Hayashi, and myself right after this commercial break. We have no control over it. Welcome back. My name is Matthew, your host. I use they, them pronouns. I'm joined as I am for most Rebels episodes by Sarah Hayashi. Sarah, Hi. introduce yourself. Sarah Hayashi, she, her pronouns. Awesome. And as our special returning guest, Paul Hoppy is joining us. I know this was an episode Paul was very excited to talk about. So, Paul, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm Paul Hoppy, a.k.a. Zen Madman, and I watched at least half the episodes we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that you like said it. the episode just now. <laughs> Which underscores, I think, the source of our, our issue here. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. Uh, we're covering two episodes today, but I think it's fair to say that it's sort of like we have, you know, kind of like a warm-up and the main attraction. Um, we're, we're talking about two episodes, 19 and 20. 19 is Double Agent Droid, a perfectly respectable episode. But 20, Twin Sons, is one that is, as, as I said, it's it's one of the first episodes that comes to many people's minds when they think about uh, Star Wars Rebels. It is very well known, very often memed, and, and one that I know, Paul, you had a lot of thoughts on, and so we're really excited to, to, to talk about. And we will get into that, but first we are going to talk about some droids. Um, and so, Paul, you can be the voice of the, the person who hasn't seen these episodes. <laughs> um, uh, Sarah, do you want to read the summary for it? it Episode, season 3, Episode 19, Double Agent Droid. Gladly. Chopper, AP5, and Wedge are sent to an Imperial facility to steal access codes for the factory on Lothal. AP5 manages to successfully locate and steal the codes. Meanwhile, Chopper accesses the Imperial network and draws the attention of the Controller, an Imperial agent who controls an advanced spy ship. The Controller remotely seizes control of Chopper, intending to use him to locate the rubble base. Back with the Ghost crew, AP5 begins to suspect something is wrong when Chopper acts uncharacteristically nice. The rest of the crew thinks AP5 is just squabbling with Chopper again, though Hera begins to have her suspicions as well. The controller then uses Chopper to lock the crew in the cargo hold while he attempts to attack the Ghost's computer. AP5 manages to override the door's controls, allowing the crew to escape and disable Chopper. Angry that the Imperials have harmed her droid, Hera sends a counter signal back to the controller, overloading his ship's systems and causing it to explode. Chopper returns to normal and begins once again bickering with AP5. So what did you think of this episode? I, I really liked it. Like, it's, as you say, it's a very good, respectable episode. Um, it, in the sort of order we're doing things today, it's like a delicious, fantastic appetizer that after you have the main course, you're going to completely forget about. But like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good way to put it. Like, like while you're having it, it's great. Um, it's it's cute. I love the like wedge AP five chopper love triangle that we've got going mm-hmm. on. Um, I love the Annie get your gun reference. It's like Josh Gad is in this episode. Like there's there's so many high notes. It's just it's really it's a really fun episode. I think it's a really good way to put it. I think episodes like this are a big part of why I love Rebels so much. Because we don't have to go back into it, but we've discussed before that like some of the highest high notes of Clone Wars may be things that Re- that Rebels doesn't get to as often, or some people might think never gets to. Mm-hmm. But the lowest notes of the 
filler is kind of a judgmental term. I more mean the, the, the episodes that are there to give you a fun episode, show you kind of a day in the life for our characters without necessarily focusing on advancing the plot very much. I think kind of this is this is an example of that, and it's 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 enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. It doesn't teach me all sorts of new things about the Star Wars universe. It doesn't you know move me to tears or to to any strong emotion except humor. But that's enough for twenty two minutes of my day. And I I do really love getting to see more of the interactions of droids because, and Paul, this is something you've brought up a bunch on some of our other podcasts. You know, art when R two is talking to C three PO. C-3PO is often presented as, a, as we're laughing at him, not with him. He's kind of so pathetic. He's so ridiculous that, like, we like him as a character, but he's, all, he's very much kind of the butt of people's jokes. And, and we don't really think much about his actual suffering, especially in the, the last movie where he's mm-hmm. almost killed, basically, yeah, in some ways yeah. or another. And it's not really taken seriously. Here, I feel like we... AB5 is also ridiculous and is also kind of pompous, and but I, 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 I sympathize with him a lot more than I think I ever would C-3PO. And I think that's because, you know, they're telling the story from both his and Chopper's perspective, and I really appreciate that. And also C-3PO was made to suffer. It's his lot in life. <laughs> that I mean, that's is, also that true. Is true. That is yeah. true. <laughs> it is true. It is the writers <laughs> who made that his lot in life. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and here, so to be clear, I have seen this episode. It was some time ago. I did not rewatch the episode just for this podcast. So, right. um, so I have seen it. Uh, I did enjoy it. I, I do agree that this is, you know, uh, when we talk about like high notes and low notes, I think usually it's meant in a like high notes are good, low notes are bad. Like, which right. is, I don't know, as somebody who's played the bass at times in my life feels rather <laughs> dismissive of the low end. <laughs> but, you know, it, it if you look at the metaphor in a different way, it's like, yeah, you do need like a base of sort of a you need a different you need different yeah. notes, right? In order to have any of the notes stand out. And so I do think that this episode kind of like lays a foundation of like here's just kind of some normal more low-key stuff so that then when you have your big epic sweeping moments, those stand kind of above something else, right? As opposed to just being mm-hmm. these isolated things. And I think this episode does a good job of that. But, you know, most importantly, like for an episode like that, it it does give us a lot of like character moments. Right. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the reason AP5 suspects something up is because Chopper's personality is off, you know, is to me for that's like the opposite of the way you might write a droid episode, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you weren't really making the droids people and you, you didn't want us to relate to them. And so I think, you know, almost at the end of season three now, we've seen enough of Chopper that we're like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense that someone would be like, why isn't why isn't he being a dick? Like, what the mm-hmm. what the heck? You know, like, why, yeah. why isn't Chopper a tool right now? <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, yeah, I, I think this episode does does that really well in a way that, you know, I really enjoy C-3PO and R2-D2, but I do think that C-3PO is very much the butt of the joke all the time. The joke is, like, at him most of the time, yeah. right? right? And here it oh. feels a little bit more with AP5 and, and Chopper. Totally. Yeah, like, I think if this were a 3PO-R2 dynamic, like, C-3PO would not, would just be happy that R2 was being nice and cooperative, right? Yeah. I don't think he would clock, like, yeah. you're not being an ass to me, right? right Whereas right. AP5 instantly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's very true. I, I like the spin you put on the high note, low note thing. And what, what I more meant by it is, yeah, I, I, I was thinking kind of that sort of like the best and the worst. Mm-hmm. And, and just kind of further elucidate there, because part of my point was, like, I don't think this is a bad episode. But yeah, it's to me, it's not one of the ones you remember. Like you said, it's, it's part of that baseline foundation. In Clone Wars, I mean, specifically, especially with, I, I think some of those like baseline episodes are pretty weak right, right. in ways that I don't think we get too many of that in Rebels. But yeah, I, I, I like your perspective as well. That's that idea of like, you need the day in the life. You need the, the just, this is what a normal episode's like so that a Twin Sons or a uh, Twilight of the Apprentice or one of the other like major ones like that hits that much harder. Not just that, but like it gives you a little bit of a reprieve from it as mm-hmm. well, right? Yeah. Because like, yeah. this is a lighthearted entertainment show at, right. at the end of it, right? And like, mm-hmm. I think so. I've just started watching the Orville, and I've also almost finished watching the Orville uh, at the same time because it's once you get past like midway through season two, it becomes a very good show. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like they walk once they figure their deal out, they like walk that line really well of like comedic moments throughout to give you a bit of a reprieve but there's like heavy sci-fi topics and almost like towards the end of season season three i was kind of longing for like just give me a jokes episode right because like we're dealing with such (coughs) heavy stuff and i feel like like even with rebels right like the jokes episode the filler episode the quality Mm -hmm. of it is is so good right like Yes, this is not a plot-advancing episode. I mean, they steal access codes. But that's, like, the only real plot moment that actually happens. But the rest of it, like, it's just... Yeah, it's a a really good episode. Um, I will defend it to my death, I guess. Yeah. And I think it's really... Especially now, it's nice to remember that this is a way you can do shows. Mm -hmm. Because I think most of the shows we're getting now, especially in the more kind of geeky world, is things where, you know, it's like a 6 to 12 episode. Every episode is going to have a strong emotional punch. Mm -hmm. Every episode is going to wrench you one way or then wrench you the other. And, you know, it's going to be great, but you're not going to get that reprieve, you know? Like, six episodes of Ms. Marvel, we're not going to have a... Well, I think we did have a filler episode that we shouldn't (laughs) have, but that's a whole other story. Oh, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. mm, We'll we'll talk about that at some point. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, we actually did a podcast about it on a I no. Did we? Yes, we did. We did we, on a superhero ethics. Um, but yeah, so definitely there's a lot, a lot to talk about there. Uh, any other things about this episode that people particularly liked or didn't like or just kind of wanted to comment on? Um, I love AP 5s little song at the very end. Like it oh, is so good, and it's like so out of left field. <laughs> like why? <laughs> why is he floating through space with like are those baby pergil? Like what? There's like little <laughs> space glowy things flying around him and he's just like singing this little song about how he's alone and he's happy and it's quiet and he loves it and then the ghost comes and picks him up and they're like oh we rescued you buddy hooray and he's like yes hooray <laughs> I, I have been I rescued right it's like AP5 is such a misanthrope and I love him so much for it it gave me strong like Marvin the paranoid android yep. from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy 100%, feels 100% yeah um, yeah it was it was real good there yeah. I found it a Gosh. relatable moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Definitely. Everyone else again. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess my, my biggest, like, quibble with this episode is the, like, sending power back through Shopper makes the controller's ship explode. Like, the whole ship, right? 
the whole but, like the controller and the ship right and like we never get so controller is a strange character because he's got the like headphones on and everybody in that ship seems like a little robotic so i think you're like like are they androids they look like um one of the dudes who works for lando yeah 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 lobot Okay. It's the same kind of setup that Lobot does, and I think Lobot is described as like kind of an android, and that he's like part, or like more a cyborg. He's like part person, part machine. Okay. Um, And yeah, I think he's that same kind of thing. I I thought I didn't really get. I I was kind of like, this is a yeah. This whole thing is fascinating, and I want to learn more (laughs) of him. And I I wish he had been more of kind of like a three episode arc kind of a guy. Yeah. Guess they all blew up. Yeah, yeah, right? right? Like, give me an opportunity to, like, maybe talk about him later. But no, he's he's been exploded. I, I mean, you didn't get the power surge. I'm still on, is it really this easy to control someone else's droid? And if so, why aren't we doing this all, all the, the time, time to every, like... Yeah, so I think the, like, the fact that, like, it was a chopper was, like, plugged into their system specifically, and they managed to, like, get in while he was... Mm-hmm like connected right like i but the, yeah the whole Some like we can pilot him remotely therefore they must have a powerful system close by therefore i can explode it from a distance kind of right didn't make a ton I, of I, sense <laughs> it didn't make sense but i was willing to forgive it because it i loved the hera to me what it what it, what it said more than anything is hera is going to turn into a mama bear oh, yeah. when one of her family is in danger and Chopper is just as much her family as anybody else. Oh, yeah. Don't talk to me like or my the... son ever again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was totally. awesome. No, it was great. And, like, the, I loved that. I loved protective mom hair, angry energy. But, like, when she's feeding the the power overload back, like, Chopper is squealing in pain. And she doesn't – she's just fo- more focused on, like, talking to the Imperials through Chopper. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish she kind of would have – had more of a reaction to that, right? Because, like, it's still Chopper's body that is presumably experiencing pain, if he can experience pain. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, afterwards, she's, like, immediately very loving, and, like, Chopper, come back to me, and he's still in there, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So she gets a pass. Is the the thing um, on the, the controller's head, is that, like, um, Ezra's parents' friends? Uh, yes, th- right, I think that- the... The uh, the ro- Rodian yeah. who had that um, in in season one, right, I think it's the like same kind of thing. All the information. Yeah. And stuff. yeah. So it, I, I mean, never to put me, that together. It seems like it's a human who can get this kind of like implant, or not a human necessarily, but you know, a a, a biological organism that can get this like cybernetic implant. Implant. Right. Yeah, I think it's yeah. very true. Yeah, I I so wish we got more of the controller and his whole deal because he's got this like mm-hmm. crew right. of cyborg people. It's Josh Gad who like plays it great. Yeah. What, why do I know that name? Uh, he's what Olaf is... the Snowman in Frozen. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 Among other things, but that's probably right. Yeah. Well-known voice actor. All right. Well, we've enjoyed a good appetizer. The plates are taken away. It is now time for the main course. <laughs> um, Paul, do you want to do the honors of reading the episode summary for episode twenty, Twin Sons? For our Satan piccata. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Twin Sons. <laughs> After receiving a holocron message, Ezra Bridger tells the ghost crew that they must go to Tatooine to save Obi-Wan Kenobi from Maul. The crew refuses, as they believe that Kenobi is dead from Order 66, and the message is a trap set by Maul. Ezra and Chopper sneak away and head to Tatooine, but things go wrong as their ship is destroyed by Tusken Raiders. 
Guided by the Holocron, Ezra and Chopper set off across the desert in search of Kenobi. After several hours of aimless wandering, Chopper runs out of power and shuts down. Ezra is then haunted by visions of Maul, telling him he failed his loved ones. Shortly afterward, Ezra passes out. Upon awakening, he finds that Kenobi has rescued him and Chopper. Ezra tries to warn Kenobi that Maul is after him and asks to help the rebellion, asks him to help the rebellion. However, Kenobi refuses, saying that the rebellion already has what it needs to fight the empire. He also has no intention of fighting Maul, though he knows it is now inevitable. As Maul finds the pair, Kenobi sends Ezra and Chopper to safety and faces off with Maul in a lightsaber duel. After a period of prolonged tension, Maul strikes first but is quickly countered and defeated by Kenobi. Before Maul dies, Kenobi stays by his side and reveals to him that he is watching over whom he believes is the Chosen One, with Maul's last words being, he will avenge us. Ezra and Chopper return to base on Maul's ship. Ezra tells the rebels that Maul is gone and apologizes for sneaking away. The episode ends with Kenobi watching a young Luke Skywalker as the Lars moisture farm uh, from a distance. So, Paul, what 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 made this one of the episodes you want to make sure you got to come back for? I mean, it's mostly the lightsaber duel, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just, I mean, calling it a duel is like, it's like a Western duel, you know? And, and I mean, I, yeah. I, my understanding is that a good number of sword duels were like this, where it wasn't a very complicated exchange of, you know, um, you know, feints and parries. It's like, bang, bang, boom, someone's dead. You know, or yeah. someone's mortally wounded, like, rather quickly. And this definitely is not a long lightsaber duel, but there's a lot of build-up to it. And uh, it's just really well done. And, you know, it, it, like, it completes Maul's arc in terms of, like, his sort of, like, emotional journey, which is, like, from point A to point A, or <laughs> point V to point V, you know? Like, vengeance yeah. to vengeance, anger to anger. Like, um... At the end, like, he's still, like, thinking about vengeance, you know, after everything. Um, and, right. and then Kenobi's kind of reacting to that. Like, it's, you know, it's sad. Like, he, he sees that Maul was this, you know, this servant of the Emperor who then got cast off after, you know, being bisected by Kenobi. Mm-hmm. And then kind of, like, was free, you know? I mean, he had, like, in theory, right? Like, he could have done kind of whatever he wanted at that point, but he decided to keep his life devoted to the emperor in, in a way by like seeking revenge for the rest of his life. You right. know? So he didn't really break free, even though he, he could be free. Um, and it's just, it's very sad, but like it's sad in a way that doesn't feel like really emotionally manipulative to me. It feels earned. It feels mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's, that, that seems like what would happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's some other stuff, but that's that's kind of the main gist of it for me. Yeah. And, like, Sam Witwer just does, like, he makes a meal of this and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right? His voice acting is amazing. Mm. I don't know how many times I've watched the opening scene of this episode just because, like, Riki likes to play it on YouTube every once in a while. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, yeah, sure. Let's watch it. Let's scream Kenobi mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Yeah, it's really powerful. And I want to get into the lightsaber duel itself, mm-hmm. uh, definitely, because there's a lot of great stuff about how that was animated. That's just wonderful. But just the whole thing surrounding it. Um, one thing I noted is that early uh, earlier in the episode, Ezra is talking to Kenobi about like which one of them should challenge Maul because Ezra feels bad for basically leading Maul to Kenobi. And Kenobi is saying, no, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And he says, I will heal this wound. 
Mm-hmm. And like one of the things I find very striking about it is that there's real care. Like the the uh, the write up says stays by his side. That's kind of underselling it. Yeah. Kenobi like takes the dying body of Maul into his arms yeah. and like holds him as he dies. And I, I will say it's a scene that launched a thousand fanfics. Uh, but you, I don't think you have to take that interpretation of it. But although that's certainly a valid one, but it's definitely to me it's that kind of like, you know, two ancient enemies who've been chasing each other through you know however many decades. There's a bond there, and there's definitely a, you know, as you said, kind of Kenobi started Maul on this journey, and in some way to me I feel like Kenobi has some awareness that maybe the best thing he can do for Maul is to kill him because it is healing. It, it's, it's finishing what he did started to do on, on Naboo. It, it, and as well, I should back, should have backed up because I think to me an essential part of this is I think that somewhere in Maul's head, a part of him wants to kill Kenobi and a part of him will also be just as happy if Kenobi kills him. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of like suicide by Jedi kind of thing happening here. And I and I think Kenobi knows that. And I, I to me, not just from that one line, but just the whole way it's set up, there's just so much like that Kenobi recognizing that this is the only way Maul's story can end. And so he has he he kills him, but it's kind of giving a service to him. it's kind of doing a nice thing to him of like, I'm gonna I'm gonna end your suffering, I'm gonna let this end and also keep myself alive because I gotta watch over this kid, but also not kill get killed by former Sith, but like Yeah. Right. Former, eh, they still call him Darth Maul, but yeah. But he doesn't yeah. call himself Darth Maul, right? True. He calls himself yeah. Maul now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's very, he would be very clear that he's no longer Sith, mm-hmm. but some others might see him that way for sure. Okay. From a certain point of view. <laughs> From a certain um, point of view. Yeah, I, ugh. I agree with what you're saying. I also think, like, I think you said, like, was it Kenobi started all of this for Maul? Maul also started all of this for Kenobi, right? True. Like, there's this reciprocal reciprocal relationship where they yeah. kind of, like, interfered in each other's lives and made things go off the rails in both directions for both of them. And then they've just been yeah. dancing around each other ever since. Um, I didn't get any sort of, like, romantic feels from... Oh, no, I'm not saying... I, I'm no. saying I think... Yeah, I understand why people... Why, I understand yeah. why all the fanfics are there. Um, but, like... I didn't get any sort of, like, romantic feels, but I definitely saw the love there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's so weird, too, because, like, that lightsaber duel, I mean, harkens back to Qui-Gon, who Obi-Wan obviously loved and respected as a mentor, right? So, like, he's clearly just brought up memories of the person this person has just murdered, or not just murdered, had murdered a long time ago. Um, but then to still, like, love Maul after that, I think, is, like... Like, Obi-Wan talked about, like, healing this wound, and I think it, it is a sign of Obi-Wan, like, finally putting, being able to put some stuff to bed, mm-hmm. right? And, like, it's it's been a long journey for Obi-Wan, and, and like, he's he's clearly, he's still on it, right? He'll still be on it until, like, Vader kills him, right? And even after that, and, like, yeah, Force goes for Yeah, even after form. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, well, I, yeah, it's nice to see some wounds closing up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, especially because you're right, like... Him killing Qui-Gon, there's been some great, great writing about this recently that, like, had Qui-Gon lived, Anakin might well not have turned to the dark side. Yeah. And, and so there's a whole thing there. But also, like, Maul killed Satine. Like, that's mm-hmm. also a huge wound for, for like, and, 
and it's funny because the whole thing is about Maul wanting revenge. I don't think Kenobi wants revenge, but I still think you're right. It's a, it's a, I mean, Maul has had many major effects on his life, not just killing Qui-Gon. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I, I feel the connection between them. Right. But then Mm -hmm. also the disconnection where, yep. You know, their lives have intersected in these very important ways that are emotional for both of them, right? Um, as much as, like, you know, a Jedi tries to not be emotional, it's like, you know, he, he killed pretty much, like, two of the three most important people, or four, in, in Obi-Wan's life, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, that that's kind of a big deal. And, you know, they faced off a bunch over the years between, you know, after Maul came back as Maul, right? After he was mm-hmm. no longer really sporting the Darth. Um, I, but then the disconnection is also like they are coming from such different places in terms of how they view the world, what they want to do in the world. And like they're communicating, but they're also never really, it's like they're, you know, metaphorically, they're not really speaking the same language. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. Kenobi at some point, it's like Kenobi just isn't going to get through to Maul. Like, I'm not sure how much actual trying there was along the way, like whether that was ever a thing like you know it's it's mm-hmm. interesting how little jedi trying to bring people back from the dark side there is and i guess maybe the idea is that that wasn't a thing that people really thought about doing until luke's like no i'm i'm going to do this like he's my pops yeah. you know but <laughs> there's a book that actually goes into quite a lot about Kenobi, like I think there's a couple Clone War episodes mm-hmm. where Kenobi says something to Ventress after she's left mm-hmm. uh, Dooku mm. about like maybe you could come back, uh, and because she did start as a as a Padawan, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, Sarah is shaking her fist because we actually did a whole episode on the book Dark Disciple, which is very much about Kenobi and Ventress and and Voss yeah. and and the. Kenobi believing that Ventress can come back from the dark side. Mm. Um, unfortunately, GarageBand really didn't want us to give that episode to you. And so it was eaten, but we'll hopefully be back at some point. But um, yeah, so just all that is to, to add on to what you're saying, Paul, and now that you get back that, to it. That there is a lot of that in the literature, right? But maybe not right. so much in the... Um, you know, that's something where I feel like something like Clone Wars could have kind of... St- Stepped up another level, you know. That, yeah. Um, it, oh, Paul, no. this lost Dark Disciple episode. It so Dark oh, Disciple yeah. was supposed to be Clone War episodes. Yeah. So yes, like you're just you're you're correct. Yep. You're so awesome. very right. Awesome. Um, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna like make a make a twist the knife kind of joke about it, but Matthew's already covered it, so cool. be like, somebody <laughs> should record a podcast about that. Thing. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I feel so great. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I, it was so good too. It's such a good uh, episode. I, 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 now, see, now I feel like I'm I'm the only one here who actually missed out on that conversation. You know, so now yeah, I, I feel it's, it's my loss too. <laughs> so, I feel well, maybe next time we'll have you on because I often like right. when we're discussing a book that probably most of our listeners haven't read. Having someone on the podcast who hasn't read it either can kind of keep us honest. So sure. maybe the three of us can connect at some point about it. Yeah, that would yeah. be fun. Um, I oh, I just wanted to push back on the one like maybe killing him is the best thing he can do for him, and like maybe that's kind of what um, like Maul maybe wants. I feel like Maul is going into that fight like the way he goes into every fight like someone's <laughs> gonna die you know yeah. and then somehow yeah. a lot of people don't die in a lot of fights with him but that's just because 
you know, they, they want to keep writing the characters. But, like, you know, I do think he's at peace with the, like, one of us is going to die right now. You know, and that's right. going to be the end of it. Um, and, you know, I, you can look at it in a perspective of, like, he's kind of, like, putting him out of his suffering or something, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm not sure I would really share that perspective. But I, I think it's a valid one, you know. That's fair. I think it's That's like fair. less about putting him out of his. I mean, I guess it is kind of a putting it out of his suffering, but just like ending. Yeah, just ending, ending this, it. right? Like yeah. it just yeah. needs to end. It's gone on too long. Yeah, and it's caused both of them too much pain. Yeah, the ellipse is now well, complete, yeah, and yeah, not everything's yeah, a circle. Because, like you said, Sarah, Maul has tried like, and it's right here. The books help as well because the books kind of really explain that, like Darth, uh, you know, Darth Sidious, uh, Palpatine has raised Maul since he was a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, he was given to him on Dathomir. And so all Maul knew for all of his life was dedication to Darth Sidious. Mm-hmm. Then that was thrown out. So now it became me and my brother are going to, you know, get back in with the Emperor. Right. And then that didn't work. And then it was... And Sidious I'm killed his be- brother. Yeah, yeah. Sidious kills... And then it's going to become, I'm going to be this criminal mastermind and take over Black Sun and then take over Mandalore. Mm-hmm. And... and that didn't work out. Right. And now he's just the only focus he can have left is Obi-Wan. Right. Um, and a little bit this idea of, like, the Chosen One, which I, I'm curious. You're th- at the end there. I, th- I definitely think that Obi-Wan is now talking about Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In part because I think for, for Obi-Wan, if he believes that Luke was the actual Chosen One, not Anakin, it makes everything that happened a little bit easier for him. I... Sure. But but when Maul saw those visions of, um, you know, th- I, I guess he probably does mean Luke because he mean you know it's because through well well it's because of Luke but it is Anakin Vader who does eventually kill the Emperor. So which one do you think Maul is referring to? Is he referring to Luke or is he referring to Anakin Vader? Because he he definitely had a moment way earlier of he still lives that wasn't about Obi Wan, which he had a moment of like oh Anakin Vader is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, which do you think he means at the very end of he will avenge us? I think it's Luke. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, like, because it's clearly Obi- Obi-Wan is clearly talking about mm-hmm. Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's just, like, coloring my my opinion there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I yeah, the, like, he will avenge us. Like, I'm curious about what he means by us. Or, like, who he's referring to. I think, in that sentence? Mm. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. I think he means, you know, himself, mm-hmm. uh, his brother, um, Obi-Wan, you know, like the Jedi, mm-hmm. like basically everybody who's been wronged by him, and which he feels right. very heavily on his own behalf, in, and then Obi-Wan's as well, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, this, this guy did both of us dirty, you know? And I do think he's talking about Luke, um, and, and I think, you know, I mean, I, I think the Chosen One is sort of like a... It's a prophecy, and then something happens, but it's also, it's like, it's, it's just a prophecy. It doesn't mean it's true, you know? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's definitely fair. So, I, I think that makes sense. And I, I definitely think that, yeah, when he says us, he's referring to everyone, but also very much him and Obi-Wan yeah. specifically, yeah. because at this point, he, he was telling Ezra about this a couple episodes ago, or maybe last season, you know, he kind of has come to understand that, like, when he and Obi-Wan were fighting... They were basically both pawns being controlled by Sidious, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it's part of that. It's like they ne- maybe they never really had to fight, but it was all about this right. um, yeah. this thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought us was exclusively him and Obi-Wan. Mm, I wasn't okay. even thinking about, like, mm. Savage yeah. and everybody else. Right. But, 
I think it definitely primarily was about the two of them, for sure. Sure. But yeah, I think it's like, I think you could have the reading of like, he will avenge us as in like the non-Sith dark side users, right? But I, don't, I, think, mm-hmm. I do think Obi-Wan is included in that. And that's, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, glad, I'm glad you both think that as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah. So let's talk about the lightsaber fight itself. Um, and I, I've seen some great analysis of it that I can just kind of ramble on about. But first, do either of you have kind of thoughts on like what makes this particular fight, or as you said, Paul, like a kind of just like basically it's an attack, a parry, and a counterattack, yeah. and then we're done. Um, what made the fight itself so powerful? So I'm, I'm going to kind of cabbage head this one a little bit because I am not super familiar with the prequels, as I have said many, many times through the course of the series. So I didn't get all of the um, nuance that this, this battle is, is yeah. referencing, right? Um, and so I was just like, well, that was quick. That was, that was over fast. Um, but I still, like, I liked it. And then I had all of the meaning explained to me and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Now I see why everyone loves this battle so much. So, Paul, if you would like to explain all that meaning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as as you, I, I have not watched the prequels a whole bunch, you know. I do think that, you know, the, the lightsaber battles are, are the best parts, you know. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you know, those videos are available on YouTube without all of the everything else, if that's if that's what you're into. Um I think, you know, the the thing about a duel is that there can be a lot of sort of thinking and a lot of sort of what feels like downtime ahead of when somebody attacks, right? And, right. Um, you know, as a martial artist, um, I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say, like, that's, that's very real, you know, in terms of yeah. at least... You know, my fighting experience is primarily not like, you know, real world getting into fights and stuff, which I think this applies less to, um, although it certainly could to some scenarios. But in terms of like, you know, being in a ring or being like, I'm facing my opponent. We both know that we're about somebody's going to attack someone and then somebody's going to try and defend themselves and maybe counterattack. And the counterattack might be you hit them before they hit you. But mm. there is this very real phenomenon of when one person, you know, goes in for an attack, you can't attack without opening yourself up to a counterattack, right? And and so this really plays with that in in the timing and the stances. And I feel like I can I can feel them thinking like, you know, Obi-Wan's like, ah, I'll you know, I'll I'll take my normal stance. Then he's like, wait, no. I'll do it this way. And because I think I know if I come at him this way or if I stand this way, he's going to do this one thing and expect me to do this other thing, but I'm actually going to do a totally different thing that's going to be an effective counter, right? right? And so the way they set that up with the, the majority of the action of the duel actually happening before the action, right? It's, it's in the mind and you can, you can, see it it's it's like a conversation um you know without words with like how you're standing and like is it sideways is more you know um head on that's the sort of thing that i would have loved if you know they could have done it in the prequel trilogy they certainly could have could have done it in clone wars they could have done it a little bit in the you know training sabine in the dark saber where if they actually like verbalized a little bit more of what these actual lightsaber techniques are. Because I know people talk about, oh, form one, form two, form five. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
I don't know what those are. I haven't seen people actually talk about that in any of the media. I can look at the way someone's fighting and be like, oh, yes, that's clearly one style and this other thing's clearly a different style. And somebody seems to have just had a stylistic shift somewhere in in the middle of a fight. But I don't know what the names of those forms are because they, they haven't been named in in the, the moving fiction that I've seen anyway, you know, and I, I believe they're referred to more in the books or something. And like somehow people know which is which Um, I don't. And I feel like that would add a lot, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. like the scene still plays, even if you don't know that. Right. Which I think is always nice. Yeah. When I think, yeah, Oh, go ahead, Matthew. Good. Okay. I was going to say, like, I think one of the important things, like you mentioned, he starts, Obi-Wan starts in his normal, like, Two fingers pointing, yeah, lightsaber over the head yeah, pose. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing it on camera, which, which seems is, very totally impractical, but okay, you know. Yeah, but it's cool as it's, heck. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. And then, like the pose he switches to, he like constant consciously switches to is Qui Gon's yes. like opening pose. Yeah. Right, and then like, so so the 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 thing that Obi Wan thinks this will signal in Maul, he does, and then yeah. like Maul comes at Obi Wan the way that he came at Qui Gon yeah. and ultimately killed Qui Gon. And yeah, Obi Wan had a counter to that instead of right. following. Yeah, yeah, he'd had like twenty years to think about it. So or yeah, 30. right. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, and it 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 goes by so fast that it's easy to miss. But yeah, mm-hmm. the 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 action plays out exactly the way the Qui Gon Maul fight happened. In you know, Qui Gon Qui Gon moved to attack, do kind of like an overhead attack. Maul blocked it in a way that kind of just pushed the Qui Gon's lightsaber out of the way so that he couldn't right. parry. When, when Maul just went to attack. And Obi-Wan basically, like, bluffs and, like, mm-hmm. induces Maul to do that exact same thing. But now that he knows it's coming, he just slashes downward through the middle of the lightsaber yeah. and, and into Maul. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that, like, I feel like should have cut his face in half or something. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. I don't quite understand how that happened. But, you know, we don't want to completely gross out the people watching. So I'm fine with how it happened. You, you, the moment afterwards when he's like holding the dying mall would have played a little differently if his face had been cut in half. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, Instead of just closing his we'll eyes, he's like pushing his face together. back together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, a little bit of dramatic dramatic playing with it I'm fine with. But yeah, it was so good to see. And one of the um, content that I saw that was analyzing this was actually during the um, – during the TV show Kenobi, because it, like he yeah. kind of goes through three, uh, he like first goes into like the, his one stance, yeah. and then he goes into kind of a second for a minute, and then goes into that third, yeah. which is the Qui Gon stance, but is also the stance that he uses against Vader mm-hmm. in yeah. um, A New Hope. But that they actually like, I guess, I, um, from what I understand, it seems pretty clear that the people making Kenobi uh, paid attention to that because the kind of middle stance he does is the stance he uses in Kenobi, at least at certain points. Oh, okay, um, yeah. I was trying to remember what that third one was because I didn't recognize it as, as well. Like, I, I was like, okay, that's the that's the Obi-Wan stance. That's the Qui-Gon stance. What's the, the third one? But the third one was, like, his in-between phase, right? Transitional, and, yeah. Yeah, 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 sort yeah. of stance. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and so there's a lot of good analysis about why he kind of advances from one to the next to the next. Mm-hmm. And, like, that last phase is kind of a two-handed instead of one-handed. Yeah. Which kind of explains why, like, in Phantom Menace, it looks like they're fighting with rapiers. And in A New Hope, it looks like they're fighting with claymores. Right. I mean, like, just totally <laughs> different kind of sword fighting. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it, it's that kind of thing. Like, all of this happens in, what, maybe seven seconds, eight it's seconds? That, yeah. Like, it's just amazing how much thought went into 
what really is a like the first time I watched that ep- that episode, I didn't catch any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. very much a blink and you miss it kind of a thing. Yeah, I th- but that's like. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think the actual like swinging of swords is like two or three seconds, right? If that, but the yeah, I feel like the the load the lead up to it is a little bit longer, but maybe it's not. Maybe that's still I, like I think the I actual. Think they- I think the actual swinging of swords is like maybe like, a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if that. Um, but yeah, the lead up is like a few seconds, but it's, yeah. it's not. It's still very short. Yeah, I think it, it feels really profound and really mm-hmm. like prolonged, yeah. but I don't think it's actually all that long. I, I, they kind of circle the fire for a few seconds right. talking to each other, mm-hmm. and then they go into their stances and yeah. then the fight begins. Yeah, because the, yeah, they're talking, and it's like Obi-Wan hasn't drawn yet, right? And then Maul kicks mm-hmm. out the fire and I think says something about Luke maybe. And then Obi-Wan's like, all right, <laughs> let's go, you know. And yeah, then well, he like, says, like, why you're not, it's like, you're a desert rat. You've, like, right. this is, I'm going to leave you in your squalor. This is a fate worse than death. Yeah. Oh, wait, you're, like, you're here protecting something. Something. oh, you're protecting something. Oh, you're protecting someone. Yeah. yeah. And then they... Yeah, yeah. Right. But, like, another moment, like, before this battle that I really love is, like, Maul shows up with, like, perfect timing to be able to say, like, it's me who you're talking about in this current sentence, Ezra and Obi-Wan. And then, like, for quite a long time, Obi-Wan has his back to Maul while he's, like, helping Ezra get on the Mm -hmm. do-back and telling, Mm -hmm. giving him, like, directions for how to get home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And, like, there's never, it never seems like there's going to be, there's a question in Obi-Wan's mind that, like, Maul's gonna stab me in the back, right? It's like Maul's gonna stand there and patiently wait, and we're gonna actually have a proper duel, right? And he just like knows yeah. this the whole time, yeah. yeah. Like he knows that's what well, Maul came for, right? Yeah, he didn't come yeah. to stab Ma- him in the back. Mm-hmm. Maul says he came there to kill him, but no, he came there to defeat him, right? Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. I, especially because I met like we've never really heard of it, heard Maul talk about this, so I think it's referenced in some of the literature. I haven't gotten to those books yet, like. In Maul's mind, and I think he's justified in thinking this, he won the lightsaber duel in Phantom Menace. Oh, right. Like he 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 disarmed Obi Wan, he knocked him into this pit, then he got stupid and arrogant and tried to like, you know, kind of taunt his victim yeah. instead of just like delivering the coup de grace. Mm-hmm. And Kenobi was able to kind of like take advantage of that and like flip up and deliver a killing blow or a not killing a not blow. But yeah, but I, I, I think if if someone asked Maul like who won the actual lightsaber duel, he'd be like I did. Mm. And so yeah, I think it's even more important. He doesn't just want to ki- like stabbing in the back doesn't matter. Right. He needs to once again show I did actually outfight mm. Kenobi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think this episode is really great. This duel in particular is a great example of how a prequel can totally work, you know, mm-hmm. because they, first of all, like that, however many seconds it is, let's say seven seconds, it sure. feels so much longer, right? Mm-hmm. And because you can really, you can play with time and like, kind of like almost dilate time, certainly, you know, dilate the perception of time by, by building tension. And, mm-hmm. you know, what are the stakes here? Like we, we know Obi-Wan's going to win, right? We know he's in A New right. Hope. We know Maul's not. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it feels to me like there's not... We don't need these stakes of, like, oh, what's going to happen? It's, it's like, by building, by telling the story in such a way that, like, we care as much how it happens as, like, 
mm-hmm. you know, answering the question, what happens? It's like, we, mm-hmm. you know, we know, but that, that doesn't, that doesn't have to like get rid of all the tension or, or make something not feel like it matters. It, it still feels like it matters to me just as much as if I didn't know what was going to happen next. You know, it just, um, to, you know, to me, it's just masterful, like prequel telling, you know, because, which, which is difficult, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like it's not hard. But, like, this just yeah. shows, like, yeah, it, it can be done. It can be done really well. And and it, it just is here, you know. And that's how they're able to have that level of tension in a, in an event where, you you know, you know the outcome if you're sitting there thinking in your rational mind, right? But, like, it just it draws you in with just the way that mm-hmm. the story is told. Yeah. Definitely. Totally agree. And I love the way you said you put that about, like, a good prequel makes you care about how it happens mm. instead mm-hmm. of what happens. Right, right. It's fantastic, yeah. Right. And I think this, like, this does this, right? Like, this episode is, like, as you were saying, a prime example of it. And, like, just the fact that we've been able, not only us, but, like, so many people have been able to talk so long and so much about seven mm-hmm. seconds yeah. of this episode, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it's canonically seven seconds now. I don't care how long <laughs> Right, 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 right. <laughs> but, like, at a scene, right, that we're able to, like, go this in-depth into analysis right. that, like, on the surface is like kind of a weirdly short lightsaber battle from what we're used to. Yeah. 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 And, and just on that further prequel thing, I think it does such a good job because not only does it contradict or take away from anything that's going to happen in a new hope or the movies afterwards, mm-hmm. but I also think it does a great job of bridging the gap between clone wars Kenobi and a new hope Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the TV show though we, we've had our thoughts about that. Um, you know, because, first of all, like, in the lightsaber duel itself, as we said, kind of like this is where Kenobi kind of shifts into Qui-Gon style, which he's then going to use against Vader mm-hmm. in A New Hope. Right. But also just like we're seeing, again, the Tatooine aging kind of kicks in pretty darn quick because this is maybe six, seven years after the TV show and like all the gray is kicked in. But yeah. Well, I think I think because Ken- Kenobi was 10 years after um Kenobi is 10 years after Revenge of the Sith, and this is like seven years. This is like two years before the Battle of Yavin. I think we're like so, in the year of the Battle of Yavin, aren't we? Aren't we're we like close, zero BBY? There's, there's definitely some vague amount of time before the Battle of Yavin yeah. that because of yeah. season four doesn't feel like it's that long. But like they have to establish a whole. Oh, spoilers for season four and the end of season three, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> but some stuff ha- does happen. It's like it's just yeah. it's a little hard to tell exactly how long all of that happening yeah. takes place. But yeah, I, I feel like it's this is like seven, eight years maybe. I think right yeah. after yeah. Uh, all this was just a tangent of the joke of Kenobi aging. Yeah. But but I, I still feel like he doesn't look quite as old as he looks by the time of A New Hope. But he certainly looks much older. He's acting that way, and without really getting into it, I think it answers another big question, which is. Why was why wasn't Kenobi getting more involved in the rebellion right. mm-hmm. at this point? And I think it's in part, as he says, because he he says he has to just stay here and look over Luke. In part because I think he doesn't trust himself, and part because he he does believe the rebellion has what it needs, mm-hmm. um, which I would question yeah. a bit. But yeah. I think it's it's it, to me it really filled in a big gap of like why is Kenobi doing what he's doing during this time? Yeah, it, you're right. It is two years, BBY. I'm oh, sorry, okay. my bad. Yeah. Um, but. It, yeah, like I think the 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 rebellion has what it needs. I think is also I don't know maybe I'm projecting here, but like a 
like knock on the Jedi almost like the rebellion doesn't need the Jedi I think is kind of what he's saying in that sense right like there's because there's like, the rebellion as it is right now has like Kanan Ahsoka and Ezra as far as like Jedi that we know about right yeah. and so like mm-hmm. it, it, or good side or, force users since Ahsoka's not Jedi yeah, Ahsoka's yeah. Not, like, I mean and neither is like Kanan or Ezra really t- right, I right, guess right, like right. Kanan got knighted and stuff but yeah they're not like none of them are technically Jedi anymore right um, right. but this, like, the rebellion has what it needed, I think is, is a slight, like, the hubris of the Jedi, thinking that, like, they are what the universe needs yeah. all mm-hmm. the time, and the idea of Obi-Wan just kind of, like, staying out of it for now, um, right, is, is, yeah. is his way of acknowledging that? Yeah. On the other hand, like, without Luke in A New Hope, like, all the rebels just die, right? Sure. They just get blown up by right. the Death Star because none of them can hit uh, an exhaust port that's not much bigger than a Womp Rat or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Two meters is a gigantic rodent. I right. Just sort of yeah, it is. It's, you know, a rodent of Yeah, that's a seven-foot rodent. It's a, <laughs> like, it's a fire clear. swamp rodent. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that brings, brings up actually, that brings up a question that I've, I've been thinking about a lot, and this episode helped me think about it, but I've been thinking about it for a while. Let's say Luke doesn't go out into the desert and get attacked by the Tuscans. Right. Do you think Obi-Wan had a plan of, like, at this age or at this point in the Rebellion or at this point, I'm going to go to Luke and say, hey, I need you to follow me on some damn idealistic crusade like your father? Um, did Obi-Wan just think he wasn't going to do that until? Like, what What do you think Obi-Wan's plan was if, if he hadn't just kind of stumbled into him? I... I don't think Obi-Wan had a plan, yeah. right? I think his plan was watch over Luke. And, like, that mm-hmm. was as far as the plan went, and he was just executing the plan. And then when Luke showed up to him, I think he, he probably thought of it as this, like, divine will of the Force, if you want to go there, mm-hmm. right? And, and even through that, like, he is just following Luke, right? He's protecting yeah. Luke and, and doing his mission of watching over Luke. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree that, like, I don't think he had much of a plan. I, I don't think it was a great lack of a plan either. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I would have a plan. <laughs> yeah. I think having a plan would yeah. be a better idea. Here, you know, the writers were looking out for him, so it was fine. Um, or the force, if you want to call it that, you know. It's up to it's up to how you want to view the story. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, things just kind of worked out. But, like, you know, Luke being the age Luke is when Luke starts the training in A New Hope is, like... Yeah, I mean, it's not the most logical way of the story. It's just, it's, you know, somebody read a lot of Joseph yeah. Campbell and, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's the way those stories are written, <laughs> you know. And I, that's one of the challenges of, like, prequels is now you're like, oh, okay, how do I how do I make all of this make all the sense? And I, I feel like here what they did with this was, like, they lampshaded it, you know. They weren't yeah. like, okay, we're going to make everything make total sense. They're like, no, we're going to address it. In a way that that is kind of like telling you the audience, like, look, yeah, we know, but like, just here, how about this? How about this? And it's yeah, like, okay, they, sure. they put a middle point in so that you can at least draw the line with head cannon, right? In a sure. way that might have been yeah. harder yeah. without this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it does make you wonder. Like, let's say Luke actually does go to the academy. Is like Kenobi going to go get a job as a janitor in the academy? Yeah. Like, what's he going to do then? But, <laughs> well, I think like, imagine that was knows. the prequel series. Wow. <laughs> 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 um, I, I think. I think. Owen especially, right, would have kept Obi-Wan from the Academy. I don't think they're, like, explicitly saying, no, no, you're not going to go work for the Space Nazis, but they're like, we need you here on the farm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's one more year, Luke. Like, Mm. let's just stay on the farm and not 
join the Imperials, uh, I right? I thought his... of it that way. That's a really good point. I, I did see a Twitter comment also that posted something that pointed out something very important about the decision making of the Lars, uh, which is that you know they are moisture farmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Aunt Brew, when she's cooking, there's all this steam just like floating up into the air. Like that's not how you cook if you're collecting moisture at every possible opportunity. <laughs> the Fremens are not happy with no. her. There's um, no like hood collecting on that. Right, right, right. Yeah, that moisture's precious. Yeah. All right. Anything? This, there is a lot else that happens in this episode, but I think it's all just kind of leading up to this. Oh, yeah. Um, I do think it's worth commenting on Ezra. Um, there was a song that was really popular when I was in middle school called "Once Bitten, Twice Shy." Which I really want to play for, because like just the fact that like he falls into Maul's trap in exactly uh. the same way again, and, and he like tells yet, him it's a trap, yeah, yeah. And he's correct in that everyone thinks Kenobi is dead, and he's right that Kenobi's alive. Mm-hmm. But it's still like, dude, learn the lesson. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, I, Ezra I, is very headstrong, and and so I get that he just is not able to yet. But it is kind of funny to me. Yeah, I mean, I'll take the the opposite viewpoint um, of like you're not wrong, but like you're wrong. Like, like hundred percent of the time, I'm gonna go try and help someone who I think is you know in need of help. And like, if it's trap, it's trap. You know, mm-hmm. it's like sure, okay, you trapped me, you got me. But like, let's go. You know, like. I mean, maybe he wanted to face off against Maul again anyway himself, you know. But, like, yeah, if you think Kenobi might be alive and out there and need your help, like, okay. That's if fair. it's a trap, it's a trap. I'll deal with it then. I mean, and that is, you know, when, when Anakin says to Kenobi, this is a trap, what do we do? And Kenobi says, we spring the trap. Right, so, exactly. You know, yeah. he's following some good footsteps there. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone know the, why the holocrons were, like, a fifth size of what they normally were? I think were? they got broken, right, in the... That episode way back. Oh, okay. So these are kind of like mini holocron. Yeah. They're like, kind they're like of pieces. parts of the Triforce. That, yeah, yeah, they're like the little pyramid chunks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a little confused okay. at first, too. But then there were like a whole bunch of little pieces in, in Kanan's bunk, right? And then Ezra oh, just I like missed that. Okay. some of them that, or something, I think. That would make it make sense. Yeah. I also liked the, the nod. Like, I think we talked about it a little bit already. But the nods to A New Hope, um, specifically the R2, 3PO in the desert scene. Mm, with like, yeah. Um, Chopper yeah. and Ezra in the desert, but like yeah. Ezra takes on the R two role and Chopper takes on the three PO. Takes on the three PO role, yeah, yeah. Which is just like fantastic, right? Because yeah. that's not normally how that dynamic goes. Um, yeah. and I thought it was like a a loving nod to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without being like an overwhelming reference, right? Yeah, it's just totally. A little, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It was nicely done. Absolutely. So I, I'm I just sad we didn't get a hello there, but you know, right? Can't have yeah, everything. no hello there. <laughs> I I wanted to just circle back to the point that you made, Sarah, about um, so when when Uncle Owen like doesn't want to send Luke to the academy, mm-hmm. you, like that when you say it, it feels like oh yeah, of course. Like why would he want him to go to the academy? You know, because it's the Imperial Academy, right? Like yeah. Luke wants to go to the Imperial to the Imperial Academy, even though he wants to be a rebel. And I guess that's just how you learn to fly. I mean, although apparently well, it doesn't take well, like, much training. Wed, like, his friends have all gone. Like, Wedge right. went to the Imperial Academy, right? And, like, now Wedge yeah, Biggs, is for the Rebels. Biggs, right. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Wedge in, in Rebels. But the Biggs, he's talking yeah. about Biggs, yeah. right? And then, sure, yeah. yes, he is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's friends with Wedge, isn't he? Or does he become is friends he? with Wedge? I think Later. so. I, mean, I think. I, oh, man, I need to I rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> we, we'd actually even comment that Wedge was the one who went with the droids on that mission. We mentioned his episode. name at the very beginning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
we read his name. Yeah. We didn't discuss it. But, but yeah, yeah, but Biggs is like Luke's childhood friend, right? Who then yes. goes yeah. off to right. join the you know academy. Yeah. And I, I I think it's off. I think it's definitely true that that Owen and Baru wouldn't want him going off to work for the Empire. But I also think like that if someone said like, "Hey, Luke, we want to take Luke away to help tr- him like learn to fly X wings and fight the Empire," they, like I don't think that that's what they want either. They mm-hmm. they just want to like have everyone like keep their heads down, right. yeah, yeah. let the fighting happen, not get involved. Um, True, but I mean like, but like as we saw like as we saw in Kenobi, right? Like Ben and uh, Baru have Owen, Uncle Ben. I'm thinking right. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, I always, um, always want to do that. <laughs> do you? Let's oh, go. No. Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. Um, Owen and Baru uh, probably don't have a lot of sympathy for the Imperials, right? Um, like, Tatooine's right. kind of managed to stay on yeah. the edge of things. But, like, I feel like they are less inclined to have Luke go to the Imperials, but also don't want to get into the baggage of explaining to him Right, why right. he shouldn't be going to to the Imperial Academy? Yeah. So it's just like, no, we need you on the farm. Right. Like, just stay yeah, on the farm. We need you on the farm. That makes a lot I, of sense. And I will say, I'm not a hundred percent clear that it is the Imperial Academy he means when he says the Academy. Okay. Because like I know in Legend in Legends canon, they had this idea that there was enough of a rebellion already that there was an Academy like really? for training people in that. Huh. That hasn't really shown up in canon. Mm. But I don't think it's ever been clearly established what, like, it's a huge galaxy. I'm guessing there's lots of academies to go to. But, yes, it is, I mean, we do find out big, yeah, it, it's, I, I think it is more than likely that it's the Imperial Academy, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. And certainly if, if there is some, like, obscure thing in a comic that's canon now, or Disney canon right. now, uh, reader, listeners, please write in and let me know. Let that's us know. Wild. In my mind, it's like... He explicitly says Imperial Academy, but like, oh no, I don't, I don't think he actually does. Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, just yeah. join the Academy. Yeah, yeah and I, uh, wow, this is like my Mandela effect moment, where I like, right. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The, the, the um, Luke, I am your father moment, even though that is never said. <laughs> right. So I, yeah, I never thought it was like Luke, I am your father. I always right. thought it was no, I am your oh. father. Oh. So, but I guess like I yeah. just came mm-hmm. to Star Wars. Yeah. Late enough that it was already a like, oh, you were misremembering oh, yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh, <laughs> like the idea that there are like many academies. Like maybe Luke wants mm-hmm. to go join like the Chicago Art Academy or something right. like that. <laughs> I mean, doing a bit more research now, every search I find says he was going to go off to the Imperial mm-hmm. Academy. Yeah. So, but like yeah. it says, Probably uh, the case. Luke voiced his wish to join <laughs> the Academy someday in a, no- a New Hope. It wasn't yeah. immediately clear which. Uh, academy he was referring to yeah According to i do rant. think you know when you have an empire often you end up with one academy right that's yeah. like the thing right. about empires <laughs> yeah they don't like definitely. competition definitely. for anything i have well except i mean no because i mean we know canonically like the academy that uh wedge was at was not like the academy there was like a lot of they they talk about it being like a local academy and that like right, they're in kind of competition with some of the other academies. You, out there. You mean but Biggs? it's like a branch, right? I mean, sort of like one state school amongst like a bunch of state schools, kind of. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like Binghamton wait, wait, versus. Stony hold Park. on, I'm confused. Wigs, Wigs, <laughs> Wigs. Wedge was at the Imperial Academy, right? Yeah, right. He was, was at one a, of the many. Yeah. Of, he was at a Imperial Academy, yeah. not the Imperial yeah. Academy. Okay, 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 okay. 
gotcha. Yeah, the idea being that there were multiple locations, at least, sure. within some large system, but that, you know, there is some, you know, right. school spirit or something. I don't know. That totally makes yeah. sense. Like, you wouldn't yeah. just have to, everybody, like, goes to Coruscant to go to the Academy. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's probably tens of thousands of TIE fighters out there. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Just as many pilots. Yeah, so. sure. Totally <laughs> they sense. need, like, twice as many pilots. Or it's like it reminds me of like you lose um, the plane when you lose the pilot most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It has like um, when people talk about California State University vibes. Like I go to a California State right. University. I teach at a California mm-hmm. State University. It's like there's like 56 of them. You have right, to right, be right. specific. Yeah. Like Cal yeah. Berkeley and Cal Santa Cruz aren't like the same, right? No, and just like right. like in LA, there's like yeah 12 at least. Right. Mm, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the Cal system is totally different from the Cal State system. Like it's just I don't know. Like so, Cal, like Cal State is one thing, and then there's um, University of California, which is right. a different thing, and there's okay. also a whole bunch right. of those. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. wild yeah. and wacky. I, I think we're deep into tangent land. So <laughs> what? Anyone, no. Anyone kind of make some last comments about this episode or these two episodes together? I have I wanted a to question. Make... Oh, but go ahead. Go for it. You, oh, okay. okay. My, my comment was just the whole, like, Obi, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn fighting stance, Obi-Wan situation, mm-hmm. and how, like, I think it's... I, I missed it before, but it's, like, really interesting that Obi-Wan is using Qui-Gon's stance against Luke. Against Luke. Against, against uh, Anakin, Anakin yeah. in their battle in A New Hope because, like... Qui-Gon was the mentor. Like, Qui-Gon was what Anakin needed, so he's, mm. like, giving him Qui-Gon at the end. Anyway, that was my little... Yeah. It doesn't work quite as well against Vader as it does against Maul. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know. <laughs> um, my question was going to be, do you feel like... Both of you watched this episode a while back, right? And then... I, mm-hmm. I mean, I watched it an hour ago, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... Yeah, okay. But so, that's not the first time you saw it. Oh, yes, accurate. Right. True, true, true. Yes, yeah, both yes, of gotcha. you watched this a while ago, right? Then watched the Kenobi show, and then watched this episode again more recently. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the Kenobi show, and this is maybe a loaded question, we don't have to get too deep into the Obi-Wan Kenobi show rabbit hole, but do you feel like having watched that show sort of um, affected in any way kind of your viewing this time like did it feel different or did it feel kind of the same well i have a goldfish brain so i don't entirely remember what i thought the first time which (laughs) makes watching movies a wonderful experience Mm -hmm. for me every time um but i do feel like watching it this time i had a lot more empathy for obi-wan right because kenobi was like fresh on my mind and this idea of like what he's experienced out in this desert and this idea, like, the line of, like, it's time to heal this wound definitely stood out to mm, me. Yeah. As, like, Obi-Wan's got a lot of wounds he needs right. to heal. And I'm happy right. for him that he gets to heal this one. Yeah. And I, I don't think I would have had that reading on it at the first pass. Okay. Cool. I think for me it's mostly the same. Like, as I said, when we, when we talked about Kenobi, like, there's a lot that I really liked about that show. But in a lot of ways I felt like it didn't line up with New Hope in ways that, that I just – not that – if it doesn't matter to you, that's fantastic. It just, for whatever reason, it, it just didn't sit right with me. There was less of that with this. I think, though, that when I saw this the first time, I had a real, like, moment of, like, oh, God, this is the the first time we have seen Kenobi since his battle against Anakin. Yeah. And, um, and also the first time Kenobi has had to do this, you know. And 
to me, that whole kind of like coming out of retirement to to deal with Maul, especially with Luke being so close and, you know, New Hope happening within a couple of years, if not less. That's a big part of how this scene affected me. And I think having watched Kenobi didn't take away from it. Like it wasn't like it was less impactful, yeah. but he had to kind of be like, eh, I'm just going to ignore Kenobi mm-hmm. and, and enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Especially because the other thing was, and again, it's kind of one of the sour notes about Kenobi was, Kenobi makes it seem like for the first 10 years, he's been hiding on uh, Tatooine, telling himself that he's watching over Luke, which is important, but also because he's not ready to deal with what happened with Anakin, and he's not ready, and he doesn't trust himself to get involved again. Mm -hmm. And the way Kenobi ends makes it feel like Kenobi should now be more active in the time mm. between the TV show and A New Hope, yeah. which this shows he hasn't been. Right. Um, so, and again, it's like, it, it's a small thing from Kenobi and it's pretty easy for me to ignore. But I do think, yeah, it it, it wasn't even as much as like that it, it, it took away anything from this episode as much as watching this episode was one more of like, oh yeah, Kenobi doesn't really fit with this. Okay, okay that's fine. I can just ignore Kenobi. I, hmm. So the the I get a different take from like the ending of Kenobi I guess which is like mm. and I think this is like something you said was uh at the beginning at the beginning of Kenobi Obi-Wan thinks he's watching over Luke but he's just lying to himself and hiding. I think at the end of Kenobi Obi-Wan is watching over Luke, right? Like he's actually right. doing the thing that he set out to do and he's not lying to himself and hiding anymore, but he's still like on Tatooine and there mm-hmm. with purpose and the purpose is to actually like look and care for Luke, mm-hmm. not to just like feel sorry for himself. Yeah, I don't know. That makes what sense. did uh, what about you, Paul? You also did the bookends between Kenobi. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I I feel like it didn't affect it that much for me. You know, mm. which which is both sort of, I mean, I wouldn't call it a knock on the show, but just you know, I, I feel like the show did definitely take the character on a journey. You know. But that that journey uh-huh. maybe didn't um, do a whole lot for me in my where I'm thinking of the character being at different points within the show, you know. Um, yeah, I think it's fair. I, I do think it it works. You know, it doesn't. Nothing about it really bothers me in terms of like, oh, but wait, this and that, and you know, the whole like Obi Wan not wanting to get involved in the rebellion, like. I wasn't sold on it before. I'm not sold on it now. You're super powerful, dude. Go do something, you know. Mm, but, right. okay, you know, it's like that's what he decided he's going to do. And that's what the story needs him to do. So, fine, you know. And here they talk about Bale saying that he died, right? And um, and so that doesn't feel inconsistent with, like, people generally not really knowing that he's around and everything. Right. Um, it, it would... It would all be more consistent if you didn't have, you know, Kanan and Ezra and Ahsoka running around with the Rebellion, which, you know, that's just the sort of, like, all right, I mean, this show was great, you know, and it's it does a really good job of handling those characters, and those the show is better for having all those characters in it, right? But also, it's like, I don't know, I, I mean, I feel like everything that happens before A New Hope and everything that happens from a new hope on kind of you have to sort of leave for me i need to kind of just make a little mental divide that's like okay all these things before when i'm watching the original trilogy i'm not thinking about any of the stuff that happened before it 
You know, I'm yeah. just thinking about those movies within their own context. And when I think about the original, you know, the, the, the original, the prequel stuff, like everything that happens before that, I kind of think of it as all this one coherent thing that you can think of in the context of all this other stuff's going to happen. But, you know, it can be kind of a little bit of a soft canon more to me, you know, mm-hmm. where, yeah. where mm-hmm. it's just like, I, I like to think of these more as different stories told within the same basic universe that don't have to have perfect continuity, um, but like hopefully don't have really abrasively um, disruptive right. discontinuity. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like they, they all work that way to some extent, as long as you're like, eh, time, travel, you know, these things. Uh, Aging, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A Jedi needs not. I, I, I mean, I think the way you can think of it is like, you know, with um, Batman the Animated, Batman the Animated Series, mm-hmm. which leads into the same continuity of Justice yeah. League. Um, there's there's a bunch of like one-off movies that that were made with some of the same cast and some of the same things and like they don't all quite they very much feel like they are of those same characters mm. and like often it's the same voice actors and the same artists but also just it feels accurate to the tone yeah. but it's not really clear how they fit into the canon or sometimes they might contradict things a little bit and that's okay right you yeah, know exactly. and I think yeah that's kind of how I would see it now it's like to me the show Kenobi gave me a really interesting like character exercise about Kenobi that teaches me some good things about him. It introduced me to the character of Reva, who I love and I really want to see more of. It let me... I feel like if there's any character for whom the show of Kenobi, to me, is 100% hard canon, it's Leia. Mm. Like She's the one who I really feel like we got the most story of. How Kenobi's story fits to this other stuff... I don't really feel it, but I don't need to. Exactly. Like I said, Paulie, I think you can. We can just kind of like, cool. That tells me about Kenobi. Does how it matches up? I don't really need to figure that out. Yeah, cool. I like I liked what you said, Paul, about like not needing perfect canning, just not needing like glaringly abrasive non-canon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and because yeah. like it also like and like what you were saying, Matthew, comics get to get away with this all the time, yeah. right? They're constantly retconning and like doing stuff that contradicts other stuff, and like beyond comics, right? Like. Greek mythology is constantly yeah. doing this. Like this has been a staple in human storytelling since we've been telling stories. Yeah. Right? And so like to expect perfect canon out of Star Wars is maybe asking a little a little much and we can, if we like acknowledge it and let it go then it's not going to make us yeah. as angry. <laughs> it's something like I need to tell this to myself too. Right, not right. Just, yeah, like, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I I will also say on superhero ethics Paul and I recently put up an uh, episode specifically about canon really it was much more about continuity Mm -hmm. and like what we think of as continuity and what isn't um but these are all topics we got into so i strongly recommend people check that out yeah check that out all right well thank you both so much for being a part of this Uh, i want to give you a a chance to kind of uh sing the praises of what you all are up to uh sarah how goes the uh art and uh creativeness and uh making money for the creativeness oh it goes um yeah i i uh i'm teaching um i'm a ceramics professor now nice. still doing my mfa Ooh. um but teaching and it's great it's going awesome um it has meant that a lot of my <laughs> online business has just moved from the back burner to like a shelf somewhere <laughs> um i'm selling things in person if you're in the oh. la area and you follow me on instagram uh if you follow my stories you'll you'll see some craft fairs that i'm in but Otherwise, I, I don't have the uh, the bandwidth for shipping stuff out. Uh, I might open up a shop closer to Christmas. If you The best way to keep an eye on what I'm doing is to check out my Instagram page, with which is Sarah Hayashi Art, at Sarah Hayashi Art on Instagram. Yeah. Cool. 
And Mr. Zen Madman, uh, what madness have you found in Zen? Yeah, that, that's not really how I conceptualize my name, but I, I thought that was a delightful <laughs> turn of phrase. Um, I, <laughs> Happy to help. I'm Zen Madman on Twitter and Twitch, and I've, I've been tweeting a lot more recently, mostly chess positions and about playing poker in the shower, uh, which I don't recommend, but it worked out really well. So, you know, they make these phones kind of waterproof now, right? And Just put a plastic bag over it. Mine seem to, like, break without doing anything to them just by putting <laughs> it next to my ear, so whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've been streaming most Wednesdays at, I believe, mm-hmm. our the time we're going with is 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, right? That's our current um, thing. And then... Uh, yeah, I do some poker in the mornings at like 11 Pacific on certain days, probably Tuesdays and Fridays, but it's all, it's all still a little bit up in the air. But yeah, um, if you want to see what I'm up to, you can, you can check out those spots and also various Zen Madmans on YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being a part of this. And as always, uh, we want to know what you think. We love the feedback. I've got some feedback we're going to discuss in an upcoming episode. Uh, we've been getting great people writing in. So thank you so much for that. Keep it up. You go to theethicalpanda.com. That's kind of my nom de plume on the internet. Nom de internet. Um, <laughs> it is uh, uh, theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find Facebook, Twitter, all the ways to contact us, our TikTok account. Um, most importantly, though, uh, no. so please write in your feedback, send us thoughts, send us comments. And, of course, there you can also find all the other podcasts I'm a part of, especially Superhero Ethics. Please tune into this podcast uh, continuously. We're going to... Um, we're ramping up towards a new Andor show that's going to be coming out in mid-September. And, friends, I really want to get more people listening to it because, I mean, A, it, it helps the podcast. It helps bring in a little bit of revenue to help pay the bills around here. But also, I just I want more people in these conversations. I, I love getting to throw these questions out and hear what you all have to think. So if you, if you don't mind, like if you're enjoying this podcast, pick a friend and, and talk to them about it. You know, maybe go to iTunes or wherever you watch podcasts and leave us a five-star review or if you don't want a five-star, leave us whatever review. But hopefully if you're sticking around, you're at least somewhat fond of us. Uh, we might have some hate listens. That's fine, too. Uh, but give us a review. You know, tell a friend about it. Um, drop some other ways because it's just such an important time, I think, right now to build up these voices together. So on behalf of myself, Paul, Sarah, thank you all so much for listening and have a great day.